Tonight, if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14. We'll begin tonight in verse 1 and read several verses out of this passage of Scripture. And while you're turning there, uh, several weeks ago I was invited to uh, Hope, Arkansas to conduct some services, a teaching sessions in the book of Revelation. And Hope, Arkansas is the uh, uh, birthplace of former President Bill Clinton. Uh, I was hoping he, hoping I might see him in the, some of the services. And I might accept my expectations too high. He never showed up. But uh, I was looking forward to seeing him there. But the Lord, the Lord, uh, well, the people in that area were there. I was there. The Holy Spirit was there. Most of all, Jesus was there. And we had great services, and I thank the Lord for that. But while I was there uh, in Hope, Arkansas, the Lord laid a message upon my heart. And in praying about tonight's service, the Lord pressed it upon my heart to minister out of the same passage of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 14, starting in verse 1, if you have it, say amen. amen. And it says, Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest, and Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over under the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other, Sina. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other southward against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised, and it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. <laughs> and his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thy heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. And tonight I want to minister to you a message from the words of Jonathan in verse 6, where he said, There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Oh, thank you, Lord. The God that we serve tonight is not restrained by many or by few, He's not restrained by numbers. He's not restrained by many numbers or by few numbers. There is no restraint to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God that you and I serve tonight. We serve a God that's not restrained by anything. Hallelujah. So tonight, get a message from these words. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you tonight in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just, tonight, Lord, we glory in the cross, Lord. We glory in the Lord. We glory in you, Lord Jesus. Father, tonight, we just pray that you would rest upon us, Lord. Your glory and your anointing would rest upon us, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Touch us tonight. Challenge us. Change us. And God, we just give you all the glory and all the praise. And everyone said amen and amen. 
In God's word, throughout God's word, that is, from Genesis to Revelation, and actually throughout church history, we see a pattern, a pattern of which or, or how or the people of whom, that, whom God uses. There's a pattern. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, summarized that pattern in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 through 29. And I want you to turn to that scripture as we begin tonight. Keep a mark here in 1 Kings and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and starting with verse 26. Again, we see a pattern of the people that God uses in this passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and starting in verse 26. And Paul says this. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. This is a synopsis here of the people, the kind of people that God uses. The kind of people that God uses, he said here, are those that are not mighty. That is in the, wor- in the, in the realm of the, uh, of the world, the eyes of the world. Those that are not mighty, those that, that look foolish, those that look weak, those that are despised. Those are the kind of people that God uses. And, and Paul says here, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says, not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, and the reason why is because those that are mighty, those that are noble, those that are, that are, that are uh, mighty in the, in, the, in the realm of the flesh, in the realm of this world, they will end up taking the glory for themselves, and God will not share his glory with anyone. And so he says, not many wise. Notice here, he didn't say not any, but most. In the realm of the flesh, the realm of this world, not many wise, not many noble, not many mighty are not called, or that is, they may be called, but they're not chosen. God cannot use them because they'll end up taking the glory for themselves. And again, God will not share his glory with anyone. But God, he says in verse 27, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He's chosen the weak things. He's chosen, verse 28, the base things, the despised, the things which are not. Those are the kind of people that God chooses. Those are the kind of people that God can use. Those in the eyes of the world, again, that are foolish, They're weak in the eyes of the world. That is, in the eyes of those who are led by the flesh. Because I'm not just talking about outside the church. I'm talking about those within the church. Those that are led by the flesh will will view those whom God is using as foolish, as weak, as base, as despised, as a reproach, as as a... uh, uh, as something that is disgusting to them. 
That's the way the world and those who are led by the flesh will view those whom God is using. And as well, those that are led by the flesh are the majority. And those that are led by the Spirit and are doing the right thing, they're preaching the right message. I said they're doing the right thing. They're preaching the right message. They're being led by the Spirit. And lives are being changed. Those whom God is using in that camp are the minority. The majority led by the flesh. The minority led by the Spirit preaching the right message. Now that scenario that Paul led by the Spirit pictures here, it is the scenario in which things are uneven as it concerns people even within the church. The numbers are uneven. Again, you have the majority that are not right with the Lord, that are not preaching the right message, not being led by the Spirit, but yet they are the majority. They've got the numbers. They've got the, they've got the acceptance. They've got the money. They've got the popularity. Many times they've got the platform. They are the majority. And then you've got the minority, the, 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 the few whom God is really using, who, God, who, are, who are preaching the right message, but they don't have the popularity, they don't have the acceptance, they are ridiculed, and, the, and, and, and the numbers are not even. And sometimes as, as being a part of the minority, it can seem like things are not fair. Things are just not fair. Things, it just doesn't seem right. How in the world could the majority, how could God allow the majority who are not doing the right thing, who are not preaching the right message to have all the numbers, to have all the money, to have all this. But then the few that God is using, these are the ones that are despised and rejected and look foolish. It just doesn't seem fair. Sometimes when, you're in the, when you are in the minority, when you are among the few, it can seem like that. It could seem like, man, it's just not right. Have you ever felt like that before? It doesn't seem right. Things don't, it's just not fair. It's not right. How come God doesn't turn the tables? How come, and some of you have come out of Churches, some of you have, left, have lost friends and you've lost family members, or when I say lost, I don't mean to death, but I mean that family members have ridiculed you and, and it, just, it just doesn't seem right, it doesn't seem fair. The majority, they've got everything, it seems, but the minority, we're struggling. We struggle just to make it. Again, sometimes... When you are in that few, in that minority, the desire to be accepted by people, the desire to be accepted by man and by the majority sometimes can be overwhelming. Because every single one of us want to be accepted. 
And sometimes, again, that, 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 that feeling, that desire to be accepted by people can be overwhelming. But I'm here to encourage you tonight, don't give in to that pressure. Don't give in to the pressure to be like everybody else. Don't give in to the pressure to be a part of the majority. Because normally the majority are wrong. 99% of the time, maybe 99.9% of the time. The majority are wrong. It doesn't matter how much pull they have. It doesn't matter how much money, how much acceptance. It doesn't matter how many bestsellers they have. Normally, the majority are wrong. Just because you, just because the numbers are few does not mean that it's right <laughs> at the same time. Numbers do not determine whether it's, whether it's the Lord or not the Lord. But normally, <laughs> in general, normally, the numbers can just tend to determine uh, something, the majority and the minority. You know, if you're a part of the minority, sometimes, again, it's hard because you want to be accepted by people, but understand, the, understand this tonight, and I know you understand this, at least to a certain point, to, but to be acceptable in the eyes of God, in, in the eyes of men, to be acceptable in the eyes of the, of the world, to be acceptable in the eyes of the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Muslims means that you are not acceptable in the eyes of God. If you are preaching a message that the world glories in, that the Hindus accept, that the Muslims accept, that any kind of uh, heathen religious religion can accept, it is not acceptable unto the Lord. I said it's not acceptable unto the Lord, and it doesn't matter how few you are in number. Don't give in to the pressure of the majority. Hallelujah. I said don't give in to that pressure because there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Hallelujah. God is not restrained by numbers. My Lord Jesus, hallelujah. In 1 Samuel, going back to 1 Samuel chapter 14, in this scenario that we read about tonight, the majority of Israel was either following Saul, whom Saul at this time, really in all, all of his life here, but while he was reigning here in Israel, Saul represents those that are led by, by the flesh. He represents fleshly leadership in the church, I believe. Saul was the king that was appointed by man. Israel wanted a leader. He wanted, they wanted a king, just like all the other heathen nations. And so God gave them what they, what they desired. They gave them a king. He gave them a king that was led by the flesh. And in this scenario, Israel was in a mess. They were led by a king that was led by the flesh. Not a king that was listening to the Holy Spirit, but led by the flesh. The fear of the Philistines had overwhelmed Israel. Many of Israel, if they they were not following Saul, they were hiding in the caves. 
And they were hiding, they were hiding in the, uh, behind the rocks, hiding in the mountains for fear of the Philistines. And the fear of the Philistines had overwhelmed Israel. And that's the kind of situation that Israel was in. Most of Israel didn't even have any weapons. They were, in a sense, slaves in their own land, having a king led by the flesh. No weapons. The fear of the Philistines had just overwhelmed you. They were weak. They were afraid. Israel was in a mess. And in this scenario that we read about tonight, in Israel there was one person we see who trusted in the Lord. One person, and that one person was a young man by the name of Jonathan. Hallelujah. And in verse 1, it says, Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, he said, come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison. You see, Jonathan had been sitting in that camp, the camp of Israel, with Saul, a fleshly leader, and 600 men. He'd been sitting in that camp too long. And he recognized that in his spirit there was something wrong with this camp I'm in. I'm going to step out. I'm getting out of here. Hallelujah. Some of you realized several years ago or not too long ago that the camp that you were in, something was wrong. There was a wrong spirit there. And you said, I'm getting out of here. I'm going on the Philistines' garrison. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm getting out of this camp that I'm in. Something's wrong. The Bible says at the end of verse 1 that he told not his father. The reason why is because Jonathan knew he didn't need Saul's approval. He didn't need man's approval to step out and believe the Lord. If he would have asked Saul, Saul would have said, no, don't do it. You're too young, you're too weak, you're too foolish to do that. Stay in the dead camp. Stay here among us 600 men. Stay here among the majority. But Jonathan said, no, I'm getting out of the majority and I'm gonna step out and do what God wants me to do. Hallelujah, glory to God. And he stepped out and he realized, I don't need man's approval to believe the Lord. And understand this tonight, when you're preaching the right thing and you're believing the right thing, you don't need man's approval. You don't need your mother's approval, your father's approval. You don't need any man, any person's approval. All you need to know is that the Lord is on your side. Hallelujah. And you're doing the right thing. Glory to God. And so Jonathan stepped out of that camp. He stepped out of the majority, believed the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me, let me just say that one more time. When you are preaching the right thing, listen to me. And those of you listening over by over Sun Life Radio, preachers, when you know you're preaching the cross, and you're believing the right thing, you do not need people's approval. Just go ahead and do it. I said, just go ahead and do it. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. And so Jonathan stepped out. He stepped out in faith and did what the Lord wanted him to do. And in verse 2, it said that Saul tarried 
in the uttermost part of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migrog, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. And in Israel at this time, these are the men that were coming under Saul. We could say that these men were the majority. Again, Jonathan realized that there was something wrong, and as Jonathan stepped out and did what God wanted him to do, he was Saul and his 600 men, the majority, sitting under a pomegranate tree. They were sitting on their rear, under, on their rear under, on a, under a pomegranate tree. Him and the 600 men with him, afraid of the Philistines, shaking their boots for the Philistines. The majority sitting on their rear under a pomegranate tree. Let me tell you something. If you don't step out and do what God tells you to do, you'll find yourself sitting on your rear under a pomegranate tree among a bunch of chickens. Those were 600 chickens under that tree. And God didn't give us the Holy Ghost to give us a chicken spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord. He didn't give me a chicken spirit. He gave me an eagle spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God didn't give you a spirit to sit under a pomegranate tree on your rear among a bunch of chickens. God gave you the Holy Ghost to step out in faith and preach the right message. Hallelujah. And believe the right message. The cross. The cross. The cross. The cross. Oh, Jesus, the cross. The cross. He gave you the Holy Ghost to step out in faith and believe the Lord. No matter what anybody says, no matter what the chickens say, some will say, well, you know what? The, the 600 men are the, the majority. And I'm afraid of what they'll say about me. I'm afraid of what the majority will say about me. Let me tell you what chickens say. Chickens say, That's what chickens say. That's what chickens say. While you're stepping out in faith, and the Holy Spirit's leading you to soar like an eagle, hallelujah. Leave the chickens behind. Leave the chickens behind, hallelujah. Oh, I'll say it again, God didn't give you a chicken spirit. He gave you a spirit to step out in faith and to soar like an eagle, hallelujah. Even if you have to soar alone, you're not alone. The Lord Jesus Christ is with you, and you're doing the right thing. That is, if you're preaching the right message, if you're believing the right message, you're doing the right thing. Forget about the majority. Step out and go ahead and do what God's telling you to do. Hallelujah. That's exactly what Jonathan did. And in verse 4, it says that between the passages, and this is where Jonathan positioned himself as he went to the Philistine garrison, it said that he 
went between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistine garrison. There was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. Now, I've studied this. I dug deep into this. And I mean, I look in the Hebrew commentary at the Hebrew dictionary and all that. And these are the, these are the, these, this time right here in Scripture is the only time that these two words are ever used. And for some reason, these two rocks were named. And for all that I could find, the best I could find about the meaning of these two rocks, Bozes on the one side, a sharp rock, and Sina on the other side, was this. Bozes means that which is wet. Slippery. It's wet. And Sina means that which has thorns. Jonathan and his armor bearer positioned himself between two sharp rocks. One sharp rock, sharp, uh, sharp rock means that which is wet. The other sharp rock means that, that which has thorns. You see, Bozaz is a type of the Holy Spirit. And sin is a type of the cross. Hallelujah. And Jonathan he and his armor bearer positioned himself between these, these two sharp rocks. And he said, from here, God will give us the victory. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. From here, God will give us the victory over the Philistines. You see, you and I, as we step out in faith and do what God's told us to do, as we live this life by faith in the, in the finished work of Calvary, you and I need to position ourselves in the right spot. You and I need to position ourselves between two sharp rocks, hallelujah, between the Holy Ghost and the cross. You see, Jonathan and his armor bearer, as he positioned himself there between these two sharp rocks, there was no plan B there was no plan C. There was one plan. If the Philistines come down upon us and the Lord doesn't show up, we are goners. We are, our gooses are cooked. It's all over. If the Lord doesn't show up, it's all over. Understand this tonight. God is telling us, I believe, position yourself between two sharp rocks. Position yourself. Find yourself between the Holy Ghost and the cross. Hallelujah. If you do that, understand this. There's no plan B. There's no plan C. If the devil shows up, and he will, and he attacks you, and he will, and the Lord doesn't show up, and the cross is not sufficient... And the Holy Ghost is not powerful enough? Brother, sister, you're, you're, you're dead meat. It's all over. If, if Bozes and Sina is not sufficient, if the cross and the Holy Ghost is not sufficient, you might as well just give up. But understand this tonight. You know this, that the cross has never failed one person yet. Hallelujah. Oh, my Lord Jesus, hallelujah. The cross on the Holy Ghost has never failed one person yet. Oh, when you position yourself between those two sharp rocks, watch out, devil. 
Watch out, Philistines. Hallelujah. Here I come. I'm between two sharp rocks, Bozes and Sina, and you don't have a chance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bozes and Sina. No plan B, no plan C. If God doesn't show up, that's it. It's over. Jonathan realized as he positioned himself between those two sharp rocks, he knew that God was in the move. In verse 6, it says, And Jonathan said to the young man that bear his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. That statement that Jonathan made there in verse 6 is not a statement of doubt. There's no doubt in Jonathan's words when he said, it may be that the Lord will work for us. Jonathan knew that the Lord was going to work for us today. Hallelujah. Armor bearer, get ready because God's going to move for us today. Oh, yeah, we've only got two people and they've got... There are thousands, but God is going to move for us today. Hallelujah. There was no doubt in Jonathan's mind. Understand this. Get this tonight. God that doesn't want an inkling of doubt in your spirit, in your mind, believe that God will work for you. Thank you, Lord. God will work for us. And Jonathan said in verse 6, he said, For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Mm. That one deserves a drink. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. That word restraint means obstacle. It means hindrance. It means that which is immovable. Can't be moved. Can't be crossed. It can't be done. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, he said, young armor bearer, there is no restraint to the Lord that we serve. Hallelujah. In other words, there is nothing too hard for my God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, as I grow in the Lord, I just turned, turned 32 years old a few weeks ago. As I grow in the Lord, I am realizing more and more, more and more am I realizing it, that there is nothing too hard for our God. Hallelujah. I'm expecting God to heal the sick, to raise the dead. I'm expecting God to do great and mighty things. I'm expecting God to do the impossible. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. I am expecting it. And those that are part of family worships that are you here tonight and those that support Sun Life Radio, I believe that God has placed in us a Jonathan spirit. And he's placing it in more people that believe that there's no, no restraint for the Lord that we serve. Bring it on, devil, because there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Oh, we may be, we may be few in number, but it doesn't matter. Who cares about the numbers? People that are led by the flesh are concerned with the numbers. People that are led by the flesh, that's all they think about is numbers, 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 
and more numbers. But the few are concerned about one thing. Lord, I just want to believe you. And God, I believe that, Lord, you will work for us today. Hallelujah. And I'm, Lord, Lord, I'm expecting you to slay some Philistines for me. Hallelujah. God, I'm expecting you to move. Hallelujah. As I position myself between these two sharp rocks, Lord, do something. God, move. Hallelujah. Lord, send the rain of your spirit. Lord, we don't want another Justin. We don't want another Azusa Street, Lord. We don't want just that. We want more. We don't want a clone. We want our own. God, do it again. Hallelujah. A Jonathan spirit that believes, God, that there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. My Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Mm. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. I hope you wake up in the middle of the night tonight saying those words. I hope you wake up tomorrow morning saying those words. I hope you face, the next time you face an impossibility, a huge obstacle in your way, I hope those words echo in your spirit. There's no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My Lord. And in preparation for this message tonight, I felt the Lord laid upon my heart that there might be some in this congregation tonight, and there might be some listening by Sun Life Radio or watching over the internet that would be discouraged in your spirit. Because you see the majority, and you might have family members in the majority. You've got friends in the majority. You may not know anybody in the majority. But you like the majority because it's easy, it's acceptable. And again, there's nobody that doesn't want to be accepted. Again, sometimes when you're in the minority and you're being persecuted, you're being ridiculed, you're being slandered, sometimes it can get discouraging. And sometimes you can think, you know, man, I wish just for a moment Brother Swaggart would accept a little bit of a purpose-driven life. (laughs) I mean, can he accept just a little bit of it? How come, how come, how come, just how come, please? How come we can't be like the majority just for a little bit, just for a little while? Sometimes people can get heartbroken. They can get discouraged because they feel that pressure. They feel that pressure of being the few that God is using, the few that are preaching the right message. They feel that pressure. I'm here to tell you tonight again, as I've already said, don't give in to that pressure. You don't need the majority, to do what God's called you to do. I said, you don't need the numbers behind you to preach the right message and to believe the right thing. 
There may be preachers listening by Sun Life Radio or watching on the internet. Understand this tonight, preacher. You don't need the numbers. Leave the number game behind. God didn't call you to gather numbers. God called you to preach the gospel. God called you to preach the cross. And believer tonight, you may not be a preacher that stands behind a pulpit. God called you to believe and to live the right thing. And don't give it to the pressure of the majority of the numbers that keeps pressuring you. Says, give in, give in, give in. Don't give in to that pressure. You know, when you know you're doing the right thing, that's all you need to know. Hallelujah. That you're doing the right thing, you're preaching the right message. You know, in verse seven, in verse seven, and I'm closing, musicians and singers can come back. In verse 7, and it says, And his armor-bearer sent unto him, Do all that is in thy heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. You know, the armor-bearer here is a perfect type of the Holy Spirit. You know, you and I have a heavenly armor-bearer. You and I have a heavenly paraclete, our paracletos, our, 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 our comforter, the Holy Ghost. He is our armor-bearer. And in praying about this message, your Lord laid this so strongly upon my heart that when you're doing the right thing, I mean, you know you're going the right direction. You're making the right decision. Doesn't matter what people say, you go ahead and do what God's told you to do. I said, you step out in faith, leave the chickens behind, and do what God called you to do. Why? First of all, because it's what the Lord told you to do. It's the right thing. It's the cross. Secondly, you've got a heavenly armor bearer that's watching your back. Hallelujah. Your armor bearer is watching your right side. He's watching your left side. He's watching your front side. He's watching your back side. He's all around you. Hallelujah. You've got a heavenly armor bearer with you. And your armor bearer says to you tonight, go ahead and do what God's called you to do. Hallelujah. Go ahead and step out in faith. I am with you. Hallelujah. Oh, you've got an armor bearer on your side. And you don't have to worry about what the enemy does. Your armor bearer is watching your back, hallelujah. He's got your back, hallelujah. He's got your right side, front side, left side. He's watching you. He's helping you. In this passage of scripture, as it goes on, it says that Jonathan, his armor bearer, stepped out. They revealed themselves to the Philistines. And it says in verse 12, the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us. We're gonna show you something. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. See, Jonathan recognized that when the enemy comes and the enemy says, let me show you something, I'm going to teach you something, and the enemy comes against you, just simply take it as a sign that you're doing the right thing. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes against you and tries to steal that vision out of your heart, tries to steal that message of the cross out of your spirit, just recognize this one thing, that you're going the right direction. Hallelujah. The Bible says in this passage that, that Jonathan and his armor bearer, just those two, 
that there were several slaughters, just those two in the first slaughter slew 20 men, two against 20, and Jonathan his armor-bearer beat them. And the Bible says that there was just the first slaughter. There was a second slaughter and a third slaughter. We don't know how many people Jonathan and his armor-bearer slew. Very possibly a hundred men or more. Two people. The minority. Slew a hundred or more Philistines. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how few in number we are if God is on our side. And he is. That God and his people, and you and I believe the Lord, that God will, will, will perform and he will work miracles for his people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet tonight. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And in verse 15 of this same passage, it says, And there was a trembling in the host, in the field, and among, and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. Jonathan believed the Lord. Yes. He stepped out in faith. You know what? There was a trembling. Thank you, Jesus. Boom. <laughs> there was a shaking in the enemy's camp. I don't know about you, but recently... I've been feeling a trembling in the camp, yes. in the enemy's camp. Yes. The enemy was trembling. You know why? It's because there were some people who were believing the Lord, and they were trusting the Lord, and that was a victory song. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Tonight, in preparation for this message, I felt the Lord so strong. Again, lay it upon my heart. Some that some here tonight, maybe here tonight at Family Worship Center, not maybe there is some here tonight. You've been discouraged, been disheartened, because you've been feeling the pressure to give in. You've been feeling that pressure and the oppression of the enemy. Give in. Leave that way. Leave that message. Leave that. Hallelujah to Join the majority. God. Join Praise that way. God. Praise God. Tonight it's really not, God's really not so, so much concerned about numbers. God's concerned about you as an individual, concerned as his child. Faith, faith, Hallelujah. Faith, yes. There's one thing he's looking for. He's looking for faith from you. Yes, praise Do God. you believe him tonight?